All right, Courtney, I love starting with why and how you fell in love with franchising, but what is your franchise story? How do you fall into this industry that we now all love? Um, Nick, that's so funny because I was literally just talking about this today. So I feel like it comes up all the time, um, but I love that question. So, okay. I fell into franchising and I feel like I'm not alone accidentally, um, but I didn't know I was in franchising until I started working for FBR. So rewind real quick. So I started with FBR Franchise Business Review almost three years ago. And so that I thought was my first franchising job. But I actually was in hospitality before this for about 10 years. So I used to work for Marriott, Hilton, Sheridan, you name it. Um, well, the first role I had was actually a Hilton in North Carolina. And I realized it was a franchise property. So back in college, I was working in franchising and I had no idea. But yeah, that's originally my first story of how I fell into it. And then I actually just found Michelle Rowan and Eric over at Franchise Business Review and started with them about three years ago. And haven't looked back. I love it. All right. So yeah. I want I want to unpack the oops, I was in franchising statement because I do think <laughs> this is one of the bigger issues of franchising is if you were to still today ask the general public of what is franchising, they might say McDonald's, but they don't know what that means. And so here you were, you were actually working at a franchise location, but didn't understand the difference. Do you, do you see that as something that is improving or is it is what it is like people just don't understand the beauty of what franchising can and is yeah that's a great question and um i think it's improving slightly because we also are getting better about educating younger people about it and so um if you are not born into franchising right so you're not born into a family of franchising you may be like me and you have no idea what franchising was so i'm in uh, i'm from the middle of nowhere um upstate new hampshire right so we have probably one mcdonald's so that's like the only franchise up there um but other than that i had no idea and then you go to college and you take some of these business courses Courses. I was in hospitality management, of course, but I still didn't really have an idea again of what franchise was because I was working at one and still had no idea. Now we have such resources as younger individuals as well, um, whether it is the, the Titus Center down in Florida or these organizations that are helping young people kind of bridge that gap and being like, franchising is a great avenue to get into. And it doesn't just mean like it's an umbrella. You can do marketing and franchising. You can do sales. You can do digital um, marketing, anything like that. So I think that has become a lot better um, and kind of bridging that gap too and letting people be educated around it. So I think it definitely helps with the younger generation too and coming up and um, continuing that education piece. But yeah. All right, shift it over to the business that you work in, because I, I want you to explain what it is, and then we can start unpacking how, how it's actually impacting to tell that story. Sure. Um, yeah, so FBR, Franchise Business Review, um, my heart and soul these days. But um, we have been around for about 18 years. And so in those 18 years, we've assisted over 1,200 different franchise brands. And so when I say assisted, uh, what I mean is we are working with franchisors to gather actual insights from their franchisees. So we're known for our survey work, right? So we do a confidential survey to help gather actual insights, data. How are the franchisees feeling about the brand? Um, but then as you're showing right now too, Nick, 
we go a step further and we also award these franchisors um, that are doing it right. So if they score highly on that survey work, they're in the running for our top franchise awards. And one of my favorite things about this is it is not a pay to play plan, right? So we're very um, much based on honesty and integrity here at FBR. And so all of those brands that you see that work with us are on there because they're franchisees are feeling good, feeling great about being with that brand. So it's pretty nice to be like, hey, I earned this award because my franchisees are happy with us, you know, that we have a strong growth model. Our training and support is amazing. We provide the best promotional marketing opportunities. So it's all right there in the sauce. But I mean, the data and the analytics that you get from your franchisees are just, it's so important for moving a company forward. And I think so many brands are starting to see that now too, year over year, um, how important that really could be. All right. A lot that I want to unpack from that. So statement yeah. one is, I agree with you that you do help franchisors, mm -hmm. but where I see you as such a huge asset is because the way that you're talking with franchisees, engaging their happiness with the franchisor, above the franchisor, you're, ha you're helping franchisees. And in my opinion, the franchise industry's job is to protect the Z more than the Zor. And here's why. Because in most cases, someone's going to invest their life savings into a business they have little to no control over. And so that's a really risky thing. And it's a scary thing for franchisees. And I think you guys do a tremendous job of because of the way that you're digging through this data, it's actually the number that you should say is we've helped thousands of franchisees buy a franchise responsible by giving them the tools to understand like the diligence, the collective diligence behind that business. Cause I think it's so critical. And the other thing you said that I think is really important is just the, the integrity and transparency that you're taking in this process, which I will break into why I think that's missing in a second from the industry. But when I say that, does does that resonate? Like, does that stick that you're actually helping the franchise buyer? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's, and I think that's why we're here today, right? And FBR is here today is because we want the franchisees to have a voice, right? As a franchisee, your feedback is so critical to the long-term success of your franchise system, right? And so giving that to the franchisor in a way of being a third party, right? So somebody that's not biased, but coming in and delivering that and giving them a voice and letting the franchisor know, right? What is going on in the ins and outs of each location? How can we help move this forward? Because no one can speak to the strength and the challenges within the brands better than those franchisees. And so that's why leadership teams decide to work with us because of that, right? It's that sense of transparency, what's going on behind the, the curtain, right? And the background and, and all of that. But yeah, absolutely, Nick, I completely agree. Yeah, and that's where like your your rankings end up, it's, it's not like you're ranking every franchisor that exists. Like you still have to be a franchisor that has gone through the process and said, talk with my franchisees, which is somewhat a vulnerable move by the franchisor anyway, because it's it's going to be up, like whatever the franchisees say is what you're going to report. So to the franchise buyer, but from, from a starting point, just having access to that information from a listening standpoint, because a lot of, a lot of franchise buyers start off with, I have, I have a little bit of money. I'm interested in franchises. I don't know what to buy which we'll get into mm -hmm. the broker side in a second. But just having that database, I think is such a critical thing that you guys actually probably, you, you deserve more more exposure for that um, because of the, the tool that it could give to the franchise buyer. 
Yeah. Well, and it, it is, it's giving them all the information that we have and to make them or have them have a sound decision. Right. And really being like, all right, this is how much money I can make, but are people actually happy? Right. What does the training and support look like? Am I just going to be left alone? Like, I, I really want to know those things because like you said, Nick, they're putting their, you know, could be putting their life savings on the line. And so that's not something that's little and it, it is really important. And that's where we try and um, bridge that gap of that, that, um, transparency piece. Yeah, right. I think it's it's super critical. I also mm -hmm. think, and and this is, I think this is an educational thing. When I see franchisors, even even clients of ours that have used FBR, they might put the the stamp or the ranking or an icon on their website. But that's typically where it stops, and I'm like, but this is such a critical element to the way that you're going to grow your business if you actually use it as a tool. Is that something that frustrates you that franchisors, like maybe it's just too hard for them to understand, but they don't use this as at the level of tool that they should? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yes and I'm um, yes and no. So I obviously like, you know, at the end of the day, you're gonna do what you're gonna do with an award that we give to you. Um, but I think it does get frustrating when it does stop at the award. Cause to me, I'm a data person and I love it. And especially because that speaks volumes. If you're giving me actual data numbers and like benchmarking information. So people, franchisors, franchisees, they'll come to us to do the survey work because they're like, I need to know where I stand. So I'm not doing it internally. I'm not doing a, doing a survey monkey because I need to know what is the rest of the benchmarks look like for the industry. So because we work with so many brands, they can be like, this is our score in training and support, but this is the industry standard. And so that's where it gets so much more valuable. My ops team love this because they can design KPIs out of actual data for the next you know quarter year. My dev team, though, this is where I do get frustrated when they do say, well, we just have this award. No, now as a dev person, I take this data and give it to my candidates that I'm speaking to, right? And saying, hey, this is where we're at compared to benchmark. Even if you're right there, maybe even a couple of points below benchmark, at least I'm giving you truthful data to show to the candidate. Because as a candidate coming in, if I get a hundreds across the board, say a franchisor gets a hundreds across the board on the survey, to me, that's kind of like a red flag. I mean, not a red flag, but I'm like, Mm, is this truthful, right? Because I, I don't believe it. So if you're showing me actual real data from a third party and that's vetted by you, that that's where it goes. That data goes a lot further than those awards too. Yeah. Yeah, I 100% I, I uh, agree with that. What's, uh, what's your sentiment on franchise brokers uh, and when it comes to transparency and data? Um, I wish transparency existed all throughout franchising. So I, I guess I can't really talk too much about the broker side because I'm also not fluent as much in that side of things, Nick. But I, what I will say is I think it is so important for everyone to ask for the data, everyone to ask for the data and not just um, hearsay or references or, you know, what you might have been in the industry for so long. So, you know, best, but I just want everyone across the industry to say, you know, oh, this is credible data, um, whether you're a broker or talking to a broker or a franchise or a franchisee. Um, and I'll kind of leave it at that. But um, I think the better that we can get about holding each other accountable and asking for data across the board, I think the better that the industry will be. Yeah. 
I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll share my opinion as, as I see where FBR actually sits in and where the future of things go. And it'll, it'll, be, it'll be forever locked in this video because once I say it, it, it is said. At some point, there was a shift in the way that we bought and sold homes where it was no longer, hey, real estate agent, give me a list. It was that I went on Zillow or Redfin at night and said, hey, real estate agent, these are the ones that I want. And I don't think we're there yet with the broker community. Most of the buyers come in and say, I don't know what to buy. And, and they go and say, here are the houses that are available to, to buy. Now, right. the reality is in old real estate, the only houses that the agent would show you are the ones that they're going to get the highest amount of commissions on. That's how it worked. But they were very transparent with commissions. That is something that also hasn't hit brokers. We're not as transparent of how the fee structures, how we get paid out of this. But then the shift happened because all of the inventory went online and then the buyer could go on Redfin and say, I know you don't represent this as a part of Compass or at properties, but this is the house I would like to see. And so the agent would then work with the seller's agent to go coordinate that thing. I think FBR of the future is going to be that, that entry point where a candidate can actually come in here from a data standpoint, say, this is the house that I want to buy, go to the broker and say, this is where I want to start. Now, that, that might not be where it ends because it might not be in the inventory and commissions may have not been evened out. But I, I see that as the future of where FBR will be an important part of that model. Absolutely. And I think, and, and it doesn't just stop at brokers, but any other supplier in the industry as well. So we we do work with other suppliers too. And, and whether they are on the development side, whether they are on the PR side, but we work, we play with everyone and it, it really is bringing that sense of transparency. What fits, fit, fits best, excuse me, for their brands, whether they already work with them or whether they're vetting them to work with them in the long run. But using our data, like our our logistics, our resources are online for a reason, right? On that data that we get back to the franchisors, we do that for a reason. We want them to use those as internal documents to make their brand stronger. But if it can also progress their brand in the right way, give that to a supplier friend and be like, hey, let's find a candidate that matches these standards. Um, so it definitely, you know, how we utilize that too can help everyone. So absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I think I think you brought up another important point that I want to call out. And you said, look, the, the smart franchisors are listening to the data and the operations team is saying, okay, this is where our holes are and let's start fixing it. Do you see this transitioning? I mean, the, the the buzz operating model for franchise brands right now is traction. We use traction in our organization too. But do you see your findings working well into traction? And are you starting to hear franchisers talking about we've made a rock out of the findings from FBR? Yes. Um, I'm so glad you asked this question. I was not even prepared for it, but now I'm so excited because I actually just got off a call with one of our clients that has been on the awards list in the past. And so... Um, they surveyed with us about 18 months ago. And so one of their lower scoring areas was effective technology, right? They got hit hard in COVID and they couldn't keep up with some of the technology platforms that their franchisees were using. So they had um, a very low score on that from their franchisees. They buckled down, they hired two uh, tech tech manager and one tech director. They installed a new app, did a whole manual around it with the operations team to make sure that um, it was a great deployment. Everything worked smoothly. And then they surveyed with us um, directly afterwards. So, well, they probably let it settle in for a couple of months, surveyed with it afterwards. That one effective technology question bumped up 20 points 
I'm not even kidding, but I looked at this and I was like, I got goosebumps, Nick, because I was just like, so you're telling me that you saw this lowest rating area, you made actual changes. And then we came back and surveyed and it literally 20 points. Like that doesn't happen awesome. on our survey. You know, it usually five to 10 points. We're like, oh my gosh, but 20 points. Yeah. I was sitting here and I was like, heck yeah. I was so excited. <laughs> Speaking of that, I mean, and, and I, I understand you said we have a client, so you don't call the client by name. How much of this is building a network internally so that the franchisors are learned? Cause that's the best practice. Is mm-hmm. that being carried across or is that, next level with what you want to build with FBR. Absolutely. Um, so as long as they're okay with saying our name or their name, um, we actually do case studies um, around this. So we have a great marketing team, great writing team too, that we'll, we'll pick up case studies. We'll put it on our resources page, on our blog page. And so, and we put that in our newsletter and we try and publish that because those are things that we do not want to keep secret, right? So we're doing all of this work to make brands better, to make the franchisees stronger. Um, so the more that we can put out there from these specific um, case studies, we will. And then and of course, if the franchisors are happy to be named, if they're on the awards list too, we always recommend them. I'm like, don't stop here, right? Look at your lowest rated area all the time. Try and make the changes. But then you need to celebrate those wins with your franchisees because that just trickles down, right? And then there, those franchisees are going to talk to their community and be like, hey, you know, this XYZ brand, this is what they did with us. You should go talk to your brand and make sure that they're giving you the same sort of support. So it's that ripple effect um, that I think will help change uh, things too. Yeah, I love it. So data uh, says, suggests that there's 4,000-ish franchisors of which there's 400 new a year. And that means 400 probably die a year because the number hasn't changed in my entire history in franchising. So to one of these Zors that is either new or someone new to the industry that doesn't know what you are, will you talk to the ghost? Tell them how they should reach out and why they should reach out to FBI. Yeah. Um, I'll always say this feedback is scary. Uh, and everyone sometimes buckles up. Right. And they're like, I don't want to hear what people have to say. Sometimes I'm scared. Um, but I'm going to tell you it's worth it. And so knowing the monster in your closet is a lot better than not knowing. And so why I say that is because you are building something that you want to be sustainable. You don't want it to fail. And so if I'm going to make this last, I need to know what's working and what's not working. And to do that is to get actual insights from people that are on the, your, the front lines. These people already buy in or bought in, excuse me, to your, your model. They believe in it, but they're also here to give you constructive feedback, right? And maybe some of the best things that you can do for the brand is listen to that feedback because maybe you need to make some um, ultimate changes and then that will foster growth in the future. But the more we kind of put our hand over our ears and just be like, no, it's fine, it's fine. um, That's where we see that decline, right? And some of those scores, if people don't work with us in five, 10 years and then they come back and their scores drop and they wonder why. And they're like, we made all these changes, but I was like, yeah, but you haven't asked for feedback around these changes. Um, So starting off with a formal survey process, um, having that around same time year over year, getting your logistics year over year, seeing the industry standards is only going to help you um, set up for growth. Bottom line will rise, but also you're going to have engaged franchisees that are validating well. If they're recommending the brand, that's helping sell more units, right? If they're all in, you got cheerleaders, champions are going to help. On the other end, if you don't, then you're going to set that kind of tank and you don't have that. So... 
So let, let, last thing, because you, you said this in, in some of your words, and I want to make sure that anybody that's watching hears this. Is there is there a limit or an entry point where you want the franchise or like, do they have to have X number of locations for this to matter? Is there, is there a minimum? Yeah. So we, we start working with franchisors once they have 10 open and operating franchisees. Um, that's when we see it, it starts off with that formal process. Um, we like to have them open and operating for at least four to six months where we're able to go ahead and get traction with the surveys. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's our starting it. point. Yeah. And I mean, I would say if you, if you have fewer than 10 locations, put this on, on a marker that you need to put in place when you hit there. But if you have fewer than like the data, if you, if you start digging through your guy's website, I think you could learn some things that you put in place on those first 10 that might yeah. give you the best path uh, for when you cross over that so that your franchises are actually uh, designed to be successful. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, and we have like, like I said, the resources and blogs, like you were saying to Nick all on there and like even around FACs, but I was talking to um, the group over at uh, Faye Gray in Minneapolis. And even if you're not big enough to have an FAC, have like a task force of one or two people on it. Right. So like you're starting to build that way. So as long as that's still, and you're doing internally feedback, like it, it'll work out. Um, so you can continue that growth, but yeah, there's always, oh. always different ways you can capture that. Well, Courtney, this was great. Thanks for the conversation. Thanks for sharing your personal story. Uh, hopefully the next next Courtney that goes and works at a franchise will actually know what it is. Uh, we'll make I progress hope so. <laughs> we'll make progress, always. <laughs> All right. For Courtney, I'm Nick. This is another episode of Meet the Supplier. Take care, everybody. See ya.